Welcome to the Location Indie Podcast, an unfiltered, behind-the-scenes, no-holds-barred look at the realities of the location-independent lifestyle from two guys who are living that lifestyle. I'm Trav. And I'm Jason. We're the co-founders of Location Indie. And you may have noticed there was no timer in this episode, Trav. Yes, that's because once a month, we're going to be rolling out a very special bonus episode for you where we're highlighting one of our Location Indie members and their story of how they became location independent. We're going to be doing that today. So let's get into it. We're highlighting today somebody who's been putting in the work to go location independent and we can recognize his efforts and also learn from his wins and setbacks. I'm so excited to welcome this month's Location Indie member of the month, Jason Robinson from TheNomadExperiment.com. Jason, welcome, my friend. Cool name, by the way. Cool name. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah we're thrilled to have you and congratulations. Well earned because I know you've been building up so many things over the last year. And uh, I guess my first question is, well, let's talk about the last year because I think a lot can happen when you decide to sort of reframe things through the location independent lens and say, okay, uh, not only am I going to have a business, but I'm going to have a business that you know serves my lifestyle. I'm going to look at the lifestyle I want to have, think about what I want, how do I want to spend my time, and then build the business around that. So you did something pretty dramatic because I know you've been working out of home for the last decade or so, but you said you pulled the plug on the majority of your income because your client projects that you were involved in were fairly location dependent. So that sounded like to me at least it seemed like to me that was your power move, right? To like say, hey, I'm going for this location dependence thing and anything that doesn't fit into that definition, I'm just going to totally shake things up. How, how did that go down for you? Talk about that whole experience because that's, that's pretty scary. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, we, we try not to use words like decade because that makes us feel <laughs> a little older than Jason. <laughs> you, and I, you and I probably should uh, stay away from those. But um <laughs> So yeah, uh, just a quick backstory, because um, I think it's important to kind of know where you've been to understand where you're going. Um, I blew up, I grew up very blue collar. Um, dad was a factory worker. You know, mom stayed home. We camped in the summertime, you know, between the time I was, you know, born and 18, our, our vacations consisted of camping and we went to Disney World once. So I really didn't even understand travel until uh, about 23, 24 years old. I had been visiting my dad in the Carolinas. And then I realized, oh, you can, you can move away from your hometown if you want to. Uh, move south. And a couple of years later, I was introduced to the idea of location independence. I actually had a friend who emailed me book, this book whenever I was like 28 years old. And he said, this seems like something you might be interested in one of these days. And the title said something like location independence, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Started learning about hostels and different types of travel when I was like 28, 29. And that was about the time I went out on my own being self-employed as a designer. So yes, the past 10 years, um, been self-employed, had a huge niche in the signage and wayfinding realm, uh, doing sign, uh, designing signs for airports, parking decks, uh, shopping centers, things like that. Very interesting work. Um, but what happened was over those 10 years, I became the guy, one of the guys to go to in Charlotte, North Carolina for projects in Charlotte, North Carolina. So big out of market firms were 
coming to me to say, Hey, be on our team. But they really wanted me here because I was boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so to your question, um, last April, I had two of my major firms asking me, Hey, we want to include you on this proposal for the same project. They were both battling over the same project and I was good with both of them. And I had to say, okay, it's either now or never. Um, either I'm going to decline all of these and essentially walk away from 90% of my income, or I'm going to wake up in five years in the same spot. Um, and my, my goal forever has been to learn how to travel and just start experiencing the world because I believe everybody in the world is good. I believe 99.9% of people are good people. They want to love their family and other people and be greeted with a smile. I believe there's a very small percentage of bad people in the world. And I want to be able to prove that to myself that I, you know, that's true. Um, so yeah, about a year ago, year and a half ago, I just pulled the plug on all that stuff and had two conversations with my two major, um, income sources on the same day and told them that I wasn't going to be able to do that anymore because it didn't fit the lifestyle that I wanted to build for myself. Hmm. Okay. Well, a, a quick sidebar. It's kind of funny because both of our names are Jason. My dad was a handyman. We went camping a lot and we went to Disney world once. (laughs) 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 And when I was 24 is when I started traveling basically and getting into it. So uh, that's really kind of comical. Anyway, um, it does seem that for most people, there is this, uh, I don't want to call it a tipping point, but that's too dramatic. But there, there comes a point where you have to say no to a certain something or let something go. And then that can be scary because you're giving something up and you're, you know what you're gaining in theory that you're going after this location penance dream or whatever it is that you're chasing. But at the same time, that's still maybe not right in your immediate vicinity. And yet losing the paycheck or losing the 90% of your income is, is a very, you know, that's a very visceral thing <laughs> to happen. So, um, but also I think you can use that as motivation because you're like, well, I'm going to let this go. I have to make something happen. So, um, I guess just talk about that experience a little more because I know people that are here right now in the community that are joining us live and people that are listening to this either, you know, there's oftentimes multiple points that this happens, you know, when you're going to business, um, or maybe you've hit some of those points already. Maybe it's your first point like that, where you really have to make a dramatic change to go location independent and to chase it. But, um, yeah, I'd like to just dig in a little more on like how you, how you kind of manage your mind to be able to have the courage to make that decision. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have a friend who, so there were two friends that were pivotal, the one back, you know, 12, 13 years ago, he actually went, him and his wife went off and traveled for 10 months on $17,000. So I saw firsthand that you could travel the world on a little bit of money. And he's been a champion all along. Another friend, Brian, um, he's been uh, along for 15 years here in Charlotte. And he's one of those motivational speakers in your ear all the time. That's kind of like, dude, you can do whatever you want to do. Just set set your sights on it. The day that I finally pulled the plug on this stuff, I was actually working at his co-working space. Um, and after the second conversation, he walked in and he's like, dude, what's up? And cause clearly I was distraught or half broken, um, wondering what the heck I just did. I told him, I said, you know, just, uh, decided. And he knew that I was building to this. Um, but I said, you know, this is what just happened. I said, I'm freaking the F out here. And I'm like, you know, I just gave away 90% of my income. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he's like, 
he just looks at me. So in the moment that I'm looking for somebody to be like, oh, it's okay, Jason, you'll be just fine. He looks at me and he goes, well, if that's not motivation, I don't know what is. <laughs> and it was exactly what I needed at that moment to be like, okay, yeah, like suck it up, buttercup. You can do this. Like you're a big boy. Um, and I mean, I, I went home that night, drank a few stiff ones, cried like I was watching Titanic. And then the next day woke up. And honestly, I remember the moment of, waking up and I thought to myself, if somebody invited me to go live in Colorado in a month, I would be able to say yes. Mm-hmm. And that was the first like moment I was like, holy moly, like in that 24 hours, I had some peaks and valleys, but that moment I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm kind of free. Like I'm finally getting towards free. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've realized in the past year, what allowed me to do that is um, I, I, I'm a big guy on words. So I try and figure out the right ones to use, but it's essentially if, if people can find out what their financial, their maximum financial threshold or, or pain point is to where they can float for a while. Like most of us, if we lose our jobs, we'll be able to find a job in a certain amount of time. We'll be able to get back to normal in a certain amount of time. So number one, know your budgeting, understand what's coming in, what's going out. Like that's just, I didn't learn that until I was 30. I literally, I was $50,000 in debt realized that I was, you know, spiraling. If I ever wanted to get married, all this different stuff, I had to figure this out. I didn't want to join someone else with all this debt. So in four years I paid off $50,000. Then I've, I've lived, I've lived debt free, which allows me to say, okay, you understand exactly where you're at right now. You understand what the next six months might bring over the next year. So when I, when I pulled the plug on stuff, I knew that I could live for six to eight months on the remainder of those contracts um, while I was trying to replace that income. Technically, I've been location independent for 10 years. I just, all my clients were here in Charlotte, so I wasn't able to actually be that way. Um, yeah. So, you know, pulling the plug on them, it, it, it gave me the opportunity to then go to new clients and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the same work, but essentially I'm going to be a remote worker now and they don't care where I'm at. They, they dig it. Um, but really, the thing that allowed me to do that was A, a lot of support and um be kind of understanding that I could at least make it for six months or eight months before the, the shit really hit the fan Yeah, and I'd be able to, to, to get by. So, and that's what happened. Congratulations on uh, paying off 50 grand in four years. That's no small feat. And you know, anybody that's had debt before, you know, that feeling when you send that last check in, you're like, holy crap, I did it. And I put mm-hmm. in the work and I planned for it and made it happen. So that's huge. And I think, um, there's so much there, you know, I, I think just the way you were focusing on a, you know, okay, 17 K to travel, like that's doable. You had a plan and a cushion and everything like that. Um, but just recognizing that, Hey, I could go to Colorado tomorrow and celebrating that. Like instead of focusing on Holy crap, you know, you said you were freaking out and you were crying. Like you're watching the Titanic. Who doesn't cry when they watch the Titanic, but, um, but then flipping that and just saying, Oh, but you know, now there's these possibilities is so exciting. Somebody that came to our Austin gathering or community gathering um, fired some clients while they were there. And that was, to me, it kind of surprised me. But then in hindsight, it didn't because I think we often think, okay, we're building this location independent business. So we have to like add more knowledge and more things. But sometimes it's the stripping away and taking things away. And um, for you, I mean, it sounds like maybe minimalism has been a bit of a theme. I mean, if you were paying off debt and everything like that, planning to travel, um, what part has minimalism or just kind of dialing back played in, in all of this for you? 
So when I was 29, I bought the house that I live in now because I always had that mindset of, you know, you, you grow up, you, 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 you get a job, you get a house, you get married somewhere in there, you know, give or take <laughs> the destination. Um, they're, they're all kind of the same pieces. And that's what I was raised to understand, not necessarily believe, but that's what I was kind of programmed to understand. Yeah. Um, so I, I got this house that I've been in for 10 years, which, you know, you know, through the community, who knows whether I'll have it in a year or whether I'll, you know, cash out. But um, so essentially, so last April was when I pulled the plug on the clients, probably two or three months before that. Um, so I try and remain stress-free in my life, which is really hard for somebody who is like a serial entrepreneur, like who typically has two entrepreneurial things going at once, plus all this other stuff. It's this conundrum of, you know, we're, we're always trying to build something. And, but, but for me, I've always worked to live and not live to work. So for me, it's like, how can you keep stress out of your life as best you can? Well, what I found out was this house kept filling up with things and the things were taking time. And every weekend it would be, are you going to go do this this weekend? Are you going to mow the lawn or clean the house and do all that stuff? And, it, and, and all those things started interfering with some of the other things that I really wanted. Um, one morning I woke up and I don't remember the specifics of it, but I just snapped like, I got rid of probably 70% of my belongings in one weekend. Really? Um, I gutted three and a half closets. Uh, I, Jason, I told you earlier, this is like, those are all the knickknacks I own now. Like the rest of my house is pretty much empty. Um, the guy with the steak hair. I like the guy with the <laughs> yeah. steak hair. Those were a gift a long time ago. And <laughs> I, or I won them at a raffle or something, but um, yeah, they're pretty rad. Uh, so, so yeah, one weekend I was just super stressed and I woke up and I was like, I don't need this stuff and literally took a bedroom, just started packing it full of stuff that was going to go put it all in trash bags. And I have this religious, you know, uh, um, I I take, do every tax deduction I can possibly get. So I would put everything out on the floor I'd take pictures of it. I'd go to the website, see how much it was worth for my tax write off. But what happened was within 48 hours, I took, I think I took it on a Sunday. I took everything to the Goodwill and dropped it off. Because I was like, if you don't do this, you're going to wake up Monday or Tuesday and you're going to start digging back into that stuff. And then it's going to sit for a week or a month or however long. And, and it's going to stress you out sitting in the back of your mind. So just do it now. I did that. Felt great. But what happened was a month later, I did it again. Like I realized that the rest of the stuff was not needed either. And I got rid of even more. So um, just that lightness of being um, and, and the ability to now come home from trips and not have the stuff riding at me and saying, you know, we need your attention. Um, yeah, I come, I used to come home from trips with that, you know, that feeling of, I need, I need to go away from my vacation because I was fast traveling and things like that. A lot of people do that. Even now when I fast travel, I come home and I'm not overwhelmed by my home. Um, I still want to leave right away again, but at least I'm not overwhelmed by my home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, all right. I wanted to hear some tips on, um, because I know you've gotten clients since. I'm not sure if you've built up your client base to the level that it was before or not. You can talk about that if you'd like. But um, for people that are doing client work or thinking about doing client work and they want to have the dialogue of, you know, is this location independent or just making sure that that's cool with people? Um, is that a conversation you've had to have with different clients or is it just kind of like a given in what you do when you publish your services? you say you work remotely and, um, and what's your advice around that? So, um, 
I'm not sure if I mentioned it. So I do graphic design for a living. That's what I graduated college from uh, with. And so I continue to do graphic design. Signage and wayfinding was a component of that. Um, so yes, any new conversations with clients, the basis is um, I'm going to do this work from wherever in the world I am. Uh, I'm always very transparent with deadlines. Um, I'm the one that sets those up as kind of the art director. I'm setting up the deadlines, the timelines. I make sure that I'm meeting everything on my end and, and pad time just in case I don't have Wi-Fi somewhere. Um, but the other side of that is I think we've all experienced this. A lot of the people, you know, that I'm seeing on this conversation um, at some point or another, you experience uh, whether it's, God, Buddha, the universe, these, these higher powers that we all say are out there. Um, for me, I, I call it the universe. The, the moment you, that I let the universe know that I was okay with it, kind of saying, all right, we're going to give you some opportunities. Um, and, and, and now that you can say yes, all you have to do is run with them. Things started coming out of the woodwork. And once I finally got the courage up to tell people what I was doing, instead of keeping it in my own brain and having small conversations with people, once I finally went all in, you know, to the dismay of my parents and other people around me and all that different stuff. But once I went all in, the universe opened up, people started saying, Oh, that's great. Here's this opportunity or there's that opportunity. So the guy that actually, um, and I'll give him a mad shout out because he's a rock star. Um, Gage Mitchell, he owns modern species out in Seattle and their design firm only works for companies that are eco-friendly. Um, they're fair trade. They're doing the right things for the world. When he traveled the world for nine or 10 months, he came back realizing there was a problem in the world and he didn't want to be contributing to it. He wanted to help it. So he started a design firm that works for the right things. Um, you know, I've been great friends with him for a long time and essentially let him know what I was doing and that that was the road that I was going down. Sure enough, six or seven months after I pulled the plug on everything, he needed help. And now he's one of my major contacts because he he buys into the idea of, of location independence. He understands that that's who I am and what I'm doing. And he's also giving an opportunity to work on projects that are proper and, and good for the world that make me feel good and others feel good. There've been a couple of other um, folks that I used to work with that are now bringing me in on projects as um, a consultant to them. Um, so once I opened up the conversation to the universe, to people around me, just the opportunities started to present themselves. I also get some, some work on Upwork and things like that, but that's a little impersonal. Um, that's, I do like interactions with clients and people. I don't like just a digital interaction with emails and stuff. So yeah, that's so huge. I mean, just, just putting it out there, which can be a scary thing, especially when you're first doing it, <laughs> but nothing happens unless you do. You know, we were just talking to Isaac earlier, who's in location Indy, and he was talking about how he was just putting it out to his immediate network and he ended up getting, you know, this great client out of it. And I think um, the other thing you mentioned is client management, because I think that's a, a very important thing, you know, just kind of setting up the expectations. And I think that can be a mistake um, people can make early on if you're working with clients that you kind of have to learn, but it's, it's better to, it's hard to be firm, I think, in the beginning until you learn, hey, okay, I can put my feet down and uh, my foot down and I can tell them, you know, this is the deal and these are the timelines and you actually have that control. We just have to have those conversations delicately, I guess, but yeah. sounds like you've been able to do that. Okay. <laughs> I've, always, I've always been kind of a tough love kind of guy. It's like, here's the task at hand and here's how we're going to accomplish it. And I think, you know, it's nice to have a good cop in the room. I tend to 
air towards more blunt or something like that. But my clients over the years have appreciated that. Um, and, and like on LinkedIn and stuff, there's some, probably some testimonials on there that are kind of on the side of, you know, Jason's a, a tough designer. He's going to, you know, kind of give it to you straight, but that's why we have, you know, good work. And, you know, those relationships with the client, it's, it's a mutual relationship. There is no, I'm on top or they're on top. It's, you know, we're working together for a common goal here. So yeah, I've, I think we've had a lot of conversations in location indie where people are saying, how do I set this up or how do I do that? For me, the most important start, uh, starting point is set expectations period for, you know, just take a step back. Don't, you know, don't start conversations like, okay, what are we, what do you want me to do for you? You know, start conversations with what's right for your end destination. What's right for your company or what's right. You know, you don't need a brochure. You may need this other thing. If you come to me and dictate what you think you need, well, then you're circumnavigating my process to find out what's the best thing for you. So I think it's important for service providers to, to take control and say, okay, you're hiring me for a reason and I'm going to do my best job. Let's meet in the middle and, and get all the facts and then we'll decide to chart the course. And so, sorry. Yeah. Little rant. <laughs> no, that's great advice. And it's super helpful. I mean, you've been doing client work for a long time. So I think that, uh, you know, anything you share around that, obviously a decade, no, sorry, 10 years oh, sure um, plus that's helpful. And I, you know, on the business owner side, of course, it always is helpful when you're hiring people to kind of know, okay, how, what is my goal here? Like, what am, what is this supposed to be doing for my business? And then, you know, you can, those conversations can flow up better on the other side as well. Um, you do something that is, uh, something I'm a big fan of myself and something that, uh, I, I guess if I ever get stuck or feel a little bit, I don't know, weird about the way things are going or like something I'm doing or whatever, um, I've always found it empowering when I can remind myself to treat it as an experiment. And your website's called thenomadexperiment.com. And I want to talk about experiments as a, like a mindset or a framework for approaching things and just share, you know, how that's helped you because maybe through some of those stories, you know, there's some, always some advice that maybe we can take from that. So, mm-hmm. so, um, originally when I started, it was really a matter of, I want to, I want to help other people again, just navigate from not knowing how to travel or just find the tools that they need. Originally, my website was called the digital nomad. And because that was a kind of a goal of mine in the future, like, Oh, I want to be a digital nomad. And I realized like that was total BS because I wasn't a digital nomad. I didn't know how the hell I was going to get to be one of those or even necessarily what it really was. I just had these goals of changing my life to be a little bit more directed. And that was, you know, the start of the conversation. Um, so I was actually sitting at my mom's in Ohio, um, like 18 months ago or so. And I was having this conversation with her again. I like words. I like, I love writing and words and being specific and having the right words for the right moments. And I was telling her, I said, this isn't the digital nomad. Like, I don't even know what that is. Like, I don't know how to get there. That seems false to me because it's not where I am and it's misleading. And I said, it's, it's more like an, it's like a nomad experiment or something like that. I remember I can see it. And I was like, well, that's a pretty good name. Um, And I like went to my phone, looked up all this stuff. And I was like, what are the odds that, that, that that's available? Like it was one of those universe things again for me. It was like, okay, that moment was meant to happen and woo, woo, woo. But um, it was like, all right, so there you go. And honestly, the minute, I 
had that change in thought has been like probably one of the biggest shifts in my life in the past year and a half, because as somebody who's type A analytical, you know, project manager mentality, rigid, if you will, um, I actually have to, you know, in the past, I've had to schedule my spontaneity. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, on Wednesday night, you're going to be spontaneous. Um, <laughs> so, you know, to, to, to give myself the permission to just do something that may not work out positively or negatively, or I may not even know what's going to happen. And that's okay. Instead of setting a goal, which we, I think we all look at goals as you have a, a very specific outcome. And you may not like it. And if that's the case and you, you get to your goal and you don't like it, it feels like a downfall. Like it, it's like, wait, I had this goal and I worked at it and now it's not what I want. The moment I said, these are experiments, just do them and move on. You might do a, a similar one. You might say, I'm going to run the other way from that. But be okay. Give yourself some space to, to learn, grow, and just start trying stuff. Um, the moment I did that, like I'm preaching from the mountaintops now because for a rigid guy like myself, it makes me feel so much better about just saying yes to things and, and buying one way tickets to Mexico or buying a van. Like, all right, we'll try this for a while. See what happens. Um, the luxury some people don't have, but I think again, if you go back to knowing what your finances are and just saying, okay, I can buy a van and I can sell a van and I rented it for a thousand dollars for six months. Okay. That, that doesn't hurt as much as losing 10 grand or something like that. So I don't know. It's yeah. The experiment, mentality has been very important. You mentioned a one-way ticket to Mexico. It would be silly if we didn't talk about travel (laughs) at all. Like since you have sort of recreated and reinvented your business to be location independent, and now you're taking clients that allow you to do that. What have you been doing since then travel-wise? And what do you plan on doing over the next few months? Um, So... First things, because I'm such a planner and analytical, like last year, year and a half ago, I I set a goal that I would not sleep in my bed for a quarter of last year, which was (laughs) like 93 days. That was my goal. Okay. Push yourself outside your comfort zone. And I did that. I, I, I marked it on the calendar every time I did not sleep at home, whether it was, you know, here, there, anywhere. Um, so I set these kind of mini goals up, um, to say that's going to stretch my brain a little bit to be able to edge towards location independent and being somewhere in the world is get out of your comfort zone. Your comfort zone is clearly your house that you've been living in for 10 years. So how are you going to push yourself outside that? This year, my goal was 120 days or a third of the year, which it's September and I've already got that, um, which is amazing to me because a year ago I was so freaked out about staying away for a week or two. And now it's like three or four weeks will go by and I'm out of town and it feels great. Um, but the other side of that was international travel was something that I wasn't versed in. And that, you know, being someone inside the U S and the, in the political or social news bubbles that we get put into, you know, I think unfortunately a lot of people are programmed to believe that the world is a scary place and that, you know, let's be safe if we're going to travel out in it and stay at resorts or, you know, I just think that there's there's something that happens to us in our young age here in the U.S. that uh, needs a little bit of reprogramming. So for me, that being very important, I said, okay, you got to try this digital nomad lifestyle if you really think that's going to be something. You might actually want to give it a try. You might have um, to experiment with it. <laughs> yeah, you got to experiment with it. Um, so I 
I had a friend that I met two friends in Baltimore um, at a hostel one morning at breakfast. We're just sitting around talking and uh, three people, German girl, French girl, and a guy from New York City that were all kind of all over the place. And we went out that day for 12 hours and hiked around uh, Baltimore. So, you know, being fast friends, I watched where they were going and they went to different countries. All of a sudden they sent me a text message from Mexico. Two of them had met back up for a beer because they happened to be close to each other in Mexico. They're like, oh, we'll meet in this town for a day for a beer. And they sent me a picture. And I'm like, what the hell is going on right now? And they told me that. And I'm like, okay, that's, again, that's the life I want to live. She actually went to Mexico City. And Mexico City was kind of a, a, a cheap port of entry for me, like $200 flight you know, from anywhere in the U.S., two, dollars $300 to Mexico City. And then you go from there. Um, I was still scared to buy the ticket. Um, I was, you know... Uh, looking at hostels, just complete um, stress ball about just buying the ticket. And and I saw her post a picture from a hostel that I had been researching. And she said, I can't leave this place. I've been here 10 days. I was supposed to be here three. I love this place. I love Mexico. She'd been there for three months, little, you know, five foot, nothing French girl traveling by herself. And I'm like, Jason, no offense to little five foot, nothing French girls or, you know, similar, but why can't you, nut up and do this. Um, and I had a, a firsthand, you know, uh, recommendation of this hostel that I had been looking at. And I was like, all right, cool. So within 24 hours, I bought the ticket, I booked the hostel and I was able to start telling people, yeah, I'm, I'm, I bought a one-way ticket to Mexico. I'm staying for at least a week and I'll figure out whether I want to stay or whether I want to come home. And I'll, you know, if it costs me 300 bucks or a thousand dollars to get home, it doesn't matter. This is an experiment. Let me dig, dig in and see what happens. Um, and, and all the conversations started happening. We are doing what? Um, isn't that dangerous? Mexico's dangerous. Like all of Mexico. Like Mexico is dangerous. I'm like, you can't demonize an entire country. Like that's like saying that half the U.S. is dangerous. I mean, there's just so much. Yeah, there's dangerous places all over the world. There's dangerous places in Mexico or, or South America, or Central America. But I knew as a smart traveler, there's plenty of places that are not and I need to start experiencing this. And so yeah, I bought the ticket, um, started telling people about it and uh, figured out the rest, landed and had had the hostel for a week. And during that time, I said, okay, give yourself three or four days just to get there, chill out, feel your surroundings. And by day three or four, I had made some friends that had been backpacking through Mexico and they started telling me about places that I might want to go next. Uh, next thing was I was buying a bus bus ticket in a you know country that I didn't understand the language in and traveling down to Oaxaca. Um, met another group of friends, and after three or four days, we started talking about going down to Puerto Escondido to this surf hostel. So after seven days in Oaxaca, we hop you know I hopped a night bus by myself and met them down there, um, and ended up coming home five or six days later after breaking a rib surfing. So, <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> but you stuck around for longer than the week yeah. and yeah. yeah. That's a beautiful thing, man. Congratulations. Uh, what's the name of the hostel? Do we have to know cuz I have to uh, it was uh, Hostel Masio Masio Ser in Mexico City, I believe. Okay. And uh, it, it they just had, I don't know if it was just the people that were there. Um there's just a great vibe. Um yeah. very friendly people and People were going to the Lucha Libre on Monday nights or Tuesday nights or whatever. And How has uh, being part of the Location Indie community or just getting around other people that are doing this helped you on your, on your journey over the last 
little while, I guess. I, I don't, I'm afraid to say time amounts anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I'm a single traveler, solo traveler. Um, I must be a huge fan of the ass, never been married, you know, not locked down long-term or anything like that. And, uh, so solo travel, especially when you're going against your own grain and trying to learn something completely different is, is very difficult. Um, for me, I travel via hostels and places where there is built in community, um, you know, really good hostels. And I, you know, I write about this on the site, like really good hostels know how to get the people that are staying there together so that they can experience each other through events or going out in the cities and doing it together instead of, you know, one person comes into the city, they sleep in a bed and they go off on their own. Well, for me being kind of introverted and a solo traveler, I need that, those opportunities. Um, so like location entity, I think we've been around each other for like two years now. And, uh, I started listening to you and Jason and the three podcasts about two years ago, um, got into location anybody a year ago. And that was at the, the time when my family didn't understand what I was doing. It, God love them. Everybody around me showed enthusiasm, but it was very clear the ones that didn't understand what I was doing and they were feigning positivity for me when they really, you can kind of see the people that truly understand and they're just like, Oh man, that's awesome. I know somebody that did that, or I know it's possible. And then the other folks that just truly don't understand and it's no fault to them. It's just that they've got the mask on. They're like, Oh, that's really yeah, great. Yeah, and, you know? Yeah, so they're like, you know, they're positivity, but it's, it's almost more draining to, to realize that, you know, the enthusiasm that you have isn't really being received. So finding a community like Location Indy or just like-minded people that, that see the opportunity in those things or whatever you're doing, whether it's location independent or remote travel or, or anything like that, whatever you're doing in your life that is different from the mainstream or a new new direction for you, you have to find people that, that have that mentality and that can support you that you can support them, but they can also support you in the highs and lows because there's going to be a lot of lows and there's going to be a lot of highs. Um, so yeah, location indie has been pivotal. Um, can't say enough about it. So yeah, like when loved ones aren't supportive in that way, it is out of love, of course, right? They just want yeah. the, whatever their version of the best is for you. But then you do got to get around those peeps that are really like, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> and um, you've done that for me and everybody in this community that's here right now. And it is a, a journey that's ongoing. It's not like you get to one destination. You're like, I'm location dependent now. You know, it's a magical, wonderful fairyland and everything. You know, it's just an ongoing thing. So you, you do need to be around that energy. I agree with you. It's really important. And um, the last thing I want to say about experiments is if you do get married, me maybe you don't want to treat that as like a total experience <laughs> or at least keep it to yourself. No, I really appreciate your time and, and thanks again for just all you've contributed to the community with, you know, interacting and, and being a part of it and everything that you've done personally and been able to accomplish as we've been able to follow your journey and, and see how things go. And now we're going to meet up in Denver at our gathering here, which is going to be great. So, um, yeah, just thanks for everybody that's come uh, to this uh, live little podcast here. And uh, it's been great to get to know you even more, Jason. And check out the nomadexperiment.com. And uh, yeah, thanks so much, Jason. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on our very special monthly bonus episode where we highlight a Location Indie member and their story. If you're interested in joining Location Indie and learning more about what goes on 
in our community. Check us out at locationindie.com. You can hop on the newsletter and be the first to know when the community opens up again. We'll chat with you soon. See you next time. Peace.